There's not a single text I'm going to read at the beginning of my sermon. There are several passages I'm going to refer to in its course. But you're well aware, I'm sure, that Christmas is over. But I suspect that you would also agree that there's a kind of glow that remains after Christmas. In our church and in many of our homes, the decorations are still up. We're still trying on and playing with gifts that we received. Our refrigerators are crammed with leftovers from the meals that we enjoyed. Some guests remain to our great satisfaction. On the Sunday after Christmas, I have some miscellaneous thoughts about the holiday and our celebration of it that I'd like to share with you. Christmas is a time for memories. I suspect that the older we get, the more the ghost of Christmas past visits us. I find myself during this season remembering Christmases of my childhood. We remember special gifts that we've received. We remember those traditions that were unique to our family celebration of Christmas. And we're also prone during this season, this family holiday, to think of people we have loved but lost to death. When I was a boy, our Christmases were never extravagant. But my sister and I didn't notice that because our parents made them very special. There were rituals in our home that were important to our mother. For example, we children were not allowed to go into the living room where the tree and the gifts were until a parent was up and went with us. Our mother would give each one of us a glass of orange juice with the understanding that we had to finish that glass of orange juice before we could lay our hands on our single present which probably set the world's record for the glass of orange juice drink. And then she would take what seemed to us to be forever to light candles that had been placed all around the rooms. So the only light came from the lights on the tree and from those candles. And only after the stage was set did Dad take his place and start to distribute the gifts. In our home, the gifts were given out one at a time. We didn't have this kind of feeding frenzy that I imagine goes on elsewhere. And as each person opened his or her gift, all the rest of us would ooh and ah. And this is a part of the politeness that was a part of my childhood training, which I'm thankful to this day. My dad's humor was very much a part of our family Christmases. When he wrapped a gift, he liked to place something in the box with the gift that would make a funny noise that would throw us off the track as we shook the gift and tried to guess what was inside. He always saved the best gift that he and my mom had for me and my sister until the very last. And that gift was often in a very small box. And when we opened the box, instead of a gift, we would find a note. And the note would say something like, go down to the basement and look behind the furnace. And so we would tear down the steps to the basement and the furnace, expecting something marvelous to be there, and there would be another note scotch taped to the wall. And it would say, go upstairs to the closet by the front door. And after four or five of these desperate errands, we would finally find the gift that we naturally enjoyed, but probably not as much as Dad enjoyed our looking for it. I remember one year he, handled, he handed a beautifully wrapped present to Mom. It was about the size of a one by 12, about 15 inches long, very nicely wrapped. And sure enough, when she opened it, it was a one by 12, about 15 inches long. 
And I think she was about to throw it at him when he asked her to look on the back of it. And there he had taped the check that would pay for the puppy that she had said she wanted. I was probably 13 or 14 when I got a new job to do at Christmas. My job was to pick up all the wrapping paper, all the boxes, all the ribbon, go through everything to make sure that no tag or label was about to be thrown away, and then burn all of that in the fireplace. It was a perfect gift for a boy because I was fascinated by fire anyway. You've probably noticed that when you burn wrapping paper, it gives off different colored smoke. And I suppose as I was doing that, the neighbors thought we were having an election for the Pope or something at our house on Christmas morning. I loved Christmas as a boy. I love memories I have today of boyhood Christmases. But it was only later, when God came into my life through his son, Jesus Christ, that I realized that these family times that meant so much had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. We didn't go to church on Christmas Eve or any other time. In our home, those beautiful, familiar, biblical narratives were never read. There was no prayer. There was never any conversation about whose birthday it really was. And I'm very grateful to God because of his grace that the childhood Christmas memories our children carry into their future are more complete than my own are. I'm also very grateful for the satisfaction of our Christmas Eve services. Many of you were here. I'm sure that you would agree that it's one of the most satisfying worship experiences that we have in the course of the entire year. And one of the reasons I suspect that we find it so very satisfying is the fact that Christmas Eve worship takes place at the end of a season that has been filled by many duties and many distractions, but at last, in the quietness and beauty of our contemplations on that particular evening, we come to the real meaning of the time and respond to Christ and to his coming in the most appropriate of ways. Every year on Christmas Eve, I leave the church tired, but very content. One of the reasons that I love these services is that at them, people who very seldom worship with us come to church. There are people who are critical of Christians they call C&E folks, C&E stands for Christmas and Easter, and you'll hear faithful Christian people talk with some disdain about people who only show up on one of the holidays. I think this is unfortunate. I think we should be very grateful that those folks are here. I think we should be very thankful that there is that, that evidence of some real faith in Jesus Christ that at one of the busiest times of year compels them to join a congregation of believers in their worship. I think we should reach out to them. I think we should make them feel as welcome as we possibly can. I don't think that we should say anything to them like, well, it's about time, or look at the crack in the walls that you came through the door. And I think we should be in prayer that something